Welcome to Holding Down the Fort, an award-winning podcast show dedicated to curating knowledge, resources, and relevant stories for today's military spouses so they can continue to make confident and informed decisions for themselves and their families. Because let's face it, we know who's really holding down the fort. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and your host for Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of our award-winning podcast, Holding Down the Fort. I am Jen Amos, your co-host, veteran spouse, gold star daughter. And also with me is my other co-host, who is a military spouse, mental health advocate, mom of two, Jenny Lynn Stroop. Jenny Lynn, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. And we thought in theme of love month, even though Valentine's day is already, wow, 10 days ago, geez, time flies so fast at the time of this recording, it's still love month. And also in celebration of one of our special episodes we did last Friday for lessons in love for military couples, Jenny Lynn found, figured that we can do kind of a Valentine's day challenge. And we realized that we never really had a dedicated episode to let you all know how we know each other. <laughs> so I'm really excited about this. Jenny Lynn, just share real briefly, like, how did you kind of come across these questions and, you know, what compelled you to be like, hey, Jen, we should do this. Oh, man, my Facebook feed was full of like, I think it's hashtag Valentine challenge. Yeah. And after you and I talked yesterday, I thought we didn't record anything yesterday. It was just a really good chat, but it left me kind of wondering, like, after a conversation I had with a previous guest who had no idea that we didn't actually know each other in real life, that we've never actually like seen each other other than (laughs) on a zoom screen. It reminded me that we had, I think told the story of how I came to be a co-host in bits and pieces, but we've never really told the whole story, nor do you and I like on an episode previously, you were like, wow, you have sisters. And I was like, wow, you didn't know that because all of this feels so very like comfortable and easy. And there are just so many things we don't know. So I thought it would be fun to, in the spirit of the hashtag Valentine's challenge, talk about how we met and answer some of the less lovey-dovey questions on the list. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we're very impromptu about this today, but again, our primary objective is I think, first of all, for Jenny, Lynn and I to get to know each other more and also for you as the listener to know, like, how do these two even know each other, like being in different coasts right now? And, you know, it sounds like we've known each other forever. So let's go ahead and pick out these questions, Jenny Lynn. Let's start with the first one. How do you all meet? And so I'll tell my side and then you can tell your side. So, you know, this show has been going on for, I think, two seasons at the time when I was just kind of talking with my colleagues and I was just like, you know, it'd be so nice to have a co-host. Like I just, it would just be so nice to have like someone I can bounce ideas off of that, you know, also has a love for the military community and, you know, is very transparent about their lives. And is just about giving back and and making these connections. Like, I just wish I had that, you know, and I actually thought about it for a while. And then I realized I was like, oh, I can announce it in my newsletter. Like I can actually, (laughs) I have a newsletter, (laughs) you know, I can put it out there. So I did. And you were one of the first people to reach out to me. So, So Jenny Lynn, tell me a little bit about that, like your path as well from, I guess, being a guest on our show. And then, you know, I guess seeing that one email and reaching out to me. Yeah. So I think I came across like you in the podcast on LinkedIn and then through work, you know, came on as a guest with my clinic director and we had a great time and it was like, it was just a really good experience. I enjoyed talking to you. It was very like you very at ease 
And then, yeah, your newsletter, I don't know, came out a month or two later and was like asking for a co-host. And I thought, well, that was really fun. Why not? I almost cussed there. (laughs) Why not? And so I emailed you. It was like, hey, you know, what's this entail? And you were like, man, just come on and talk. And I was like, I can do that. And so here we are months later in season four. Um, yeah, I can't believe together. it. I think collectively, we've almost done 50 episodes collectively. I'll have to like double count it. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's probably somewhere between 35 and 50 is what I'm going to say. Or at least by the end of our season four, it'll be about that much, I think. But again, I have to like double check and count. But I'm just so grateful that you had reached out because, you know, I think just having that upbringing of a military child, I'm the kind of person that's like, let me just dive into the deep end with someone. And if we don't float, we don't float. <laughs> and here we are, we're still floating, you know, we're still floating, we're still swimming. And it's been great. And it's crazy because it's like what I originally was hoping for in, you know, a co-host, I was able to have it with you in that much more because, you know, even before you knew me, you probably didn't know I was like really into like mental health and like seeking out this, you know, kind of like seeking out help and taking care of myself and encouraging that for other people. So for you to have come from, you know, a mental health clinic and also just be an advocate overall for yourself and your family, it just sort of worked out. I just love that. Like that's sort of my favorite kind of relationships where it's like, you know, let's just jump into it and let's see what happens. And it just seems to me that it kind of gets better and better with every interview we do together. Yeah. Well, I mean, and how cool is it that you live in my hometown and I live in yours? Right. And, you know, I mean, it just all of the things that have come together from this have been super fun for me to discover. And I've just really enjoyed this. Yeah. You just have to think about like what it took for both of us to end up having this conversation (laughs) today. Right. Cause it's like, you're, you know, born, raised, live in Virginia. Right. And then I pretty much lived in San Diego, at least for 20 years after we lost dad. And it's like, there's so many things that had to come into play for this to happen. Right. And so it's just, it's quite bizarre, but overall I'm grateful. And I think as our relationship continues to blossom, I'm sure we'll just be more appreciative of like, wow, I can't believe, like, I can't believe we somehow made this work. Like, I can't believe that you know, we have such different backgrounds, like, you know, you're East coast, I'm primarily West coast. And now you're coming here. (laughs) Like we like switch, but you're coming back. And yeah, I just, it's actually quite bizarre when I start to think about it and think like, wow, that's cool. (laughs) I think that's what I'm trying to say. Soon we get to be in real life friends instead of on zoom friends. Yes. Yeah. Really fun. I'm so excited. So for our listeners, Jenny Lynn already started like a group chat (laughs) with Heather from the clinic. And we're like, oh, we're just friends now. Like, that's it. Like, there's no question. Like we are friends. And when Jenny Lynn is in town, we are going to hang out and I have rollerblades. I will go rollerblading with your boys. It's cool. You know, like I'm about it. Actually, it's funny because I think this morning Scott and I are trying to like sell stuff online right now. And he was thinking about getting one of those like, like fat tire bikes that can go on beaches, but he got really fascinated with the fact that I love rollerblading. So he's like looking into rollerblades or inline skates. I I don't know, like the actual generic term for skates, I guess skates. And yeah. And so I'm just like, oh, cool. Maybe we all can go skating together. That would be so totally fun. But no, overall, I'm just so excited. I'm just happy. I'm grateful. And I am very much looking forward to you being here. And, you know, before you know it, like, I mean, there's a cool co-working place here called Gather where they have a podcast booth 
as a complimentary service to their members. And so I'm thinking how cool would it be to just like meet up there, you know, and do some, conduct some interviews in person and even interview some local people. So, so I say all that because I think as the show continues to grow and evolve, even Jenny Lynn and I were talking about this offline that, you know, I think part of what we want to focus more on or hone in on is obviously our audience. And I think for both of us, or at least even for me and in the business I do with my husband, we just love working with like seasoned spouses and career military families. And considering that, you know, that's your demographic, Jenny Lynn, it's like, wow, this is all so perfect. And then you're coming to Virginia. We want to focus more of our efforts in Virginia because we want to grow roots here. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's just amazing. That's all. I'm just taking it all in. And I don't know. You have any thoughts on that? I'm just like taking it all in. Oh, no. I mean, the last year has brought, you know, a lot of change in a lot of ways and a lot of it negative. But in my personal life, like just the opportunities that have opened up while working from home have been awesome. I mean, I'm never if you'd asked me, you know, one (laughs) podcasting didn't exist when like I went to college. So there's that. But you know, if you'd asked me if I would be working in military mental health, like, and be as passionate about it as I am. And that result in like making a friend who does a military podcast, who's looking for a co-host who (laughs) happens to be a seasoned military, like, what are the odds? I mean, the military community is really small, like by and large. Yeah. And so like, just to end up here and be able to have these conversations with you every week and then know that like, come this summer, we can, you know, go out to eat and <laughs> do things in real life and bring Heather along with us. Who's also my That's friend right. on the internet and not yep. in real life. Yet. Yes, Heather. Yeah. We're bringing you along. <laughs> it's already, you know, I find that really exciting. I mean, cause I'm coming home, but I'm coming home to people that you know, where I grew up and a lot of people that I already know and love and to come home to new friends too is so fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine this must be like just an emotional experience as well. Like you said, it's like, it's almost like a homecoming for you to be like, Oh, like after everything we've been through in our military life, you're like, I'm coming home. And it's not just home. Like you said, it's home plus like just the newness of friends like me and Heather and, you know, just whatever the newness there is in Virginia itself, you know, as a whole, because Mm -hmm. I, I imagine that so much has changed, you know, since you left. Yeah. It's been almost a decade. I mean, when I really think about it, I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's been, yeah. By the time we come back, it will have been, eight and a half years since we moved away. And I mean, so my kids were babies when we left, that's where they were both born, but they were babies. And so to them, my parents' house has always been home. Like that's what they think of as home. And so there's a lot of like really sweet things that are happening with us coming home. And also to think that it's been that long (laughs) since we lived there is a little weird. Yeah. A lot of life happened in those eight years. A lot of life. <laughs> oh yeah. I imagine. I remember when we first moved out here and within like a hundred days of moving out our company, we received an award back in San Diego. So we had to like come back and receive it like in person and stuff. But like, I just remember like, even just within being gone, like after a hundred days, I felt like a completely different person. I was just, is this home anymore? Like it just, it just seemed so like distant. Like I felt like that whole transition of just coming out here, you know, was just so 
I wouldn't say traumatic, but like life-changing. So that when I came back, I was like, is this home still? Or is it like vacation now? Or it was just like such a weird experience. So, mm-hmm. and then even the times that I visited after that, like it just, I mean, it was nice. Cause I definitely felt like that newness coming back and that familiarity and just comfort of knowing like, Oh, San Diego is like always going to be my home. But eventually I had to come to a place or mentally, I was like, you know, I can't keep thinking that it's home. I need to build a life out here because then I'm never <laughs> going to appreciate where I'm at. Like, you know, there's a saying that goes, the grass is greener where you water it. And if I just keep focusing on the grass being greener on the other side, AKA like San Diego, you know, I'm never going to appreciate it. And so I think it's just beautiful overall that you're coming here because you're just, you're another like piece of, I guess, affirmation or another root that can grow deeper out here for me. And yeah, it's just great. I'm really grateful. And, but again, kind of going back to those hundred days, like I know a hundred days is nothing compared to you being gone for eight years. So I imagine this will just be amazing for you to come back. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like I said, we're really looking forward to it. We have learned after being on the West coast for five years, which is longer than we've ever been technically stationed anywhere. We bounced between Norfolk and Virginia beach for several years, but like, you know, we're already living there. So it wasn't like we got moved there. We were already there. You know, we have learned, we are really East coast. People don't (laughs) love the three hour time difference makes things hard when like, I mean, you're sitting at lunchtime and I literally just started my work day, you know, and there's just some formality and decorum about the East coast that I've missed on the West coast, like, you know, dressing up. I miss like going to things where business casual meant like high heels and a cute top versus like flip-flops and a sundress. (laughs) That's true. That's true. It is, it is a different vibe out here. That's for sure. Correct. So, yeah, I think like flip flops was definitely like my choice of like shoes for a long time. And then that ended up like causing like issues for my leg or like, you know, just bad. Apparently it's bad to wear flip flops. It's just absolutely bad for your feet. And so I've had to like learn to wear sneakers and stuff. I mean, heels aren't any better, but I know what you're saying. It's like, you know, the formality in regards to business casual out here, it is a little different as opposed to San Diego. It's like you could wear flip flops and a nice blazer and you, you'll still fit in. <laughs> Very different. Whole different closet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I can imagine. Well, let's continue down these questions here. I asked the first one, how did we all meet? Do you want to ask the, pick pick any question from this list? We don't have to go through all of them, but we'll just take turns is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) All right. Well, let's see. Ooh, most impatient. Mm, I don't know. That's a... I can be on things. I mean, I would say like, for me, I would say like, who's the most hyper? That would probably be me, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, but I don't know about impatient. Like, I mean, I don't think you're impatient. I think that's an interesting question. I mean, if I went with most sensitive, you're definitely the most (laughs) most sensitive. I mean, I am the crier on the podcast. That is a fact. That is a fact. I feel like, I feel like I've done enough practice with like, you know, other interviews where I I don't cry as much, but like in this context, I think definitely like you're the most sensitive one. (laughs) Yeah. Look, I'm 38. Like this is not going away. This is something that's happened my entire life. And I have just learned that I am going to cry. It's just a thing. It's not going to go away. And people continue to tell me that it's really endearing. I continue to push back on that a little bit, but nonetheless, it's still here. Still going to (laughs) cry. No, I I love it. And I think it's great because it does add that human aspect to who we are. And 
I definitely consider myself, I mean, if I were to compare myself to Scott, I'm definitely the most like emotional one. Like I'm just about like talking about my feelings and sharing like what's on my mind and in my heart. And then his interpretation is like, how do I fix it? You know? And I mean, it's, it's so cute because it's like, he has learned to mechanically listen. Like he's like, oh, oh, okay, okay. I don't correct her. I just have to listen. Like it's the cutest thing. Like when he gets into this mindset and he's just like... <laughs> kind of like leaning in with like his eyes open, like just trying to like be like, okay, I'm listening to her right now. But I think between us, yes, I would say like, if there's anyone that's impatient, I think it's me just because of my hyperness. I'm very hyper. I think that's what it is. And then I think for you, like you probably would be the more sensitive one between us. Like you mentioned already, just, just the fact that I think for me, the reason why I might not be as emotional is because like, I reflect on past experiences of being in the military where like mm-hmm. for you, you're in it, you know? So I, I think yeah. it's like, you're in the thick of it. And so it's like, it is emotional because you're living it right now. So I think that's why. So if, if there's any reason to defend you as to why <laughs> you're the most sensitive, it's because you're in the life right now. Like you're actively doing, you're actively sharing your vulnerabilities, which I think for a lot of people, it is really difficult to tell people how you are presently feeling it's hard. And so for you to like work through it, like, I just have to say that's admirable. That's admirable, brave, courageous. And you know, any other adjective that goes with those, because I I really think it takes a lot to just be open like that, especially if you're actively going through something right now. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, I have to say, I learned a lot about that. I mean, I have a long history with 12 step recovery rooms. And so I've learned a lot about that from sitting in rooms for many years and from listening to people share their hardest and, you know, hardest days and best days. And also like as a writer, I process obviously through a lot of words. And so I have the ability, I think now, even though I'm living a lot of things real time, I have that space to process independently so that I can come on and be fully present, you know, talking with other people and really share their feelings or whatever it is we're talking about. I'm trying to think of the ones I've cried through, like the stories of trauma, all the therapy, (laughs) like those are usually the ones that really get me. But, you know, I learned in a podcast with Brene Brown, like you have to have some space. And I think that's where you're right. You and I kind of come to this with a little different lens. Like you have to have some space between the really hard stuff and being able to talk through it. And for me, you know, the last eight years have been a really hard space and I have processed a lot of that personally. And then now I'm able to write, write about it and put it on the internet. And so things that I've written about, I'm also able to talk about. And there's a certain level, you know, even with the impatience piece, like military life has conditioned me to hurry up and wait. (laughs) So there's a lot of impatience in like, hurry up and wait (laughs) because it's all out of my control as evidenced by this move. Like we've known since the fall that we were supposed to come to Virginia and, you know, 90 days out got orders, which I realized for some is actually a really long time for me. It feels very fast because all of a sudden we have all the things to do between now and June, you know, but I think a lot of it is life conditioning and this is not a natural bent for me. Like to, again, back to that, like if someone would have asked me at 18, what I was going to do, talking about my personal life (laughs) on a podcast (laughs) and crying for other people to hear was not really in the plan, but really my adult life has conditioned me to be that way. And honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like I think about even with the hard stuff, like that's who made me who I am today. That sounds so trite and cliche and also true.
Hey everyone, Jen Amos here, just taking a quick break to let you know that this episode of Holding Down the Fort is brought to you by U.S. Vet Wealth. U.S. Vet Wealth is the company that I am very proud to be a part of, alongside with my husband, who is a West Point grad and Army vet, Scott R. Tucker. So here at U.S. Vet Wealth, we provide bold financial education and flexible financial solutions for our career military families. You can get an idea of what I mean by that by downloading the first three chapters of my husband's book, Veteran Wealth Secrets, for free at our website, veteranwealthsecrets.com. In his book, he brings to the forefront of his discussion what the military and most veteran financial advisors usually gloss over as they focus on military retirement plans. The moment that you leave the military is the biggest opportunity of your life, and you're going to need money for it. Even though this book is titled Veterans Wealth Secrets, the book actually offers universal lessons and wisdom that military spouses can relate to and who knows, maybe even nudge their service members to read. And it actually gives entrepreneurs a more flexible and profitable way to invest their revenue. A couple of testimonials that we have received for Scott's book. This is by Air Force Colonel Tom. So Tom, thank you for this testimonial. He says, Scott pulls the curtains back on things that we, active duty members, just accept as truth. And he questions the status quo with insightful and thought-provoking ideas. This book is the evolution of Rich Dad, Poor Dad that our generation and culture needs. You may have a different outlook on success and not agree with everything, but you should read this book. You'll regret it if you don't. Thank you, Tom, so much for that testimonial. Once again, if this description intrigues you, you can actually download the first three chapters for free by visiting veteranwealthsecrets.com. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get back to the show. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good observation. And I think part of, again, going back to like the reason why I can talk about my past so openly is because I have worked through it. You know, fun fact, when I lost dad, like I, it took me years before I actually cried for the first time. Cause I just remember the moment, like the chaplain came and I think with someone else to announce like the loss of my dad, like I still remember it so clearly, like my mom was sitting on a couch and I was sitting right behind her and they announced the news and she was just bawling. And I didn't know, like I was in so much shock that I was like, I was just looking at my mom and I was like, I was like, okay, she's crying. So I should cry. And then I tried to shed like two tears and, but it literally took me till like, I think three to five years when we were already settled in San Diego, when I realized my mom was kind of robotic after a while. Like it Mm -hmm. it just seemed like she was just living to raise us essentially. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I finally processed that, how emotional that was for me. And I remember walking to my sister's room, just crying. And I said, Hey, I call her sister. Cause I don't know when I, when I'm really close to people, I give them generic names. So I'm like, Hey sister. I was like, sister, her name's Josephine. So shout out to Josephine. So she, cause she was like five or six at a time when we lost dad. So she only like knew so much, but I remember coming in a room and I said, Hey, be nice to mom. Like she's been going through a hard time these couple of years. And really what I was saying though, cause my sister, like in my mom's eyes, she's like a perfect child. I'm the middle child. So I have like a lot of issues, but it's funny. Cause I think I was projecting onto her, like all the crap I brought, I put my mom through in those stages. Mm-hmm. Like it was really bad. Like that's a whole podcast for another time, but yeah, just being able to experience that then. And then fast forward like 10 plus years in my young twenties, when I couldn't understand why I was having such a difficult time in my romantic relationships, when I realized, 
was like, oh, it's because I lost my dad. And because like, I never wanted to be with anything that felt real because I was afraid it was going to leave me, you know, or Mm -hmm. I was going to lose it or it was going to die, you know? So I feel so fortunate that I've spent years like working on that. So I can, you know, come up here today to talk about it. And even with a humorous tone, you know, like I I think it's, Mm -hmm. I think it's okay to laugh at even tragic events. And I'd like to believe it makes other people feel comfortable when I talk about like my past. But again, it's just like what you're talking about, like, at least in this context, like, because you're in the thick of it, it is emotional. Well, for me, it's like, I've spent years like working through that trauma so that I can show up today and let our military families know, like, no matter what happens, there's a community, there's hope. You're not alone. Like, yeah, the struggle is real. So let's struggle (laughs) together. Okay. Like, let's do it together. We don't have to do it alone, you know? And I had to get to a certain place to say that and to actually you know, be that reassuring person for other people. And and it's still good for me. Like, I still love this for myself. It's a good reminder that like, oh, the reason why I'm so eclectic and I like doing a lot of different projects is because I moved around every two to three years. Like that was just my upbringing and why I'm so quick to jump into relationships because it's not Mm -hmm. out of naivety. I think that's how you pronounce it. I think it's not out of naivety. It's because I just kind of, I pick up things, you know, you learn to pick Mm -hmm. up things very quickly when you're a military child. So anyway, I say all that just so our listeners can get a better idea of like our own different perspectives and how we're able to show up on this podcast. And I think why we work so well, Jenny Lynn, like, I think that's why we have really good chemistry. I have a degree. I have a degree. Okay, cool. Anyway, that was a very long winded (laughs) answer, but let's get to another question. Do you want to pick the next question? Sure. How many tattoos do you have? (laughs) You know what? I have none. I have none. I know. I know. Like everyone's like, shut up. Like, no, I don't have you. I'm afraid of it. Like I'm afraid of pain. (laughs) And I have said though, that if I ever get a tattoo, I want it to be in cursive on my back shoulder. I think on my right, wait, which one do I usually show off? Like probably the right one, but I wanted to say something like, I mean, again, I don't think I'll ever do this, but if I do, it's going to say, give us this day, our daily bread. And here's the reason why. I was a born again Christian back in 2018, right before we moved out here to the East coast. And if there's anything I learned in, you know, studying the Bible and being a part of like so many amazing women's groups mm-hmm. is just that phrase, like give us a stay our daily bread, meaning that, you know, God is encouraging you to focus on what you have today. You know, you don't have to think about tomorrow. He's not giving you this monthly bread today. He's giving you this daily bread. And so mm-hmm. for me, it's like, it helps me focus on being present and focus on what's in front of me. And like, since I thought of that, like I've thought of that phrase for years, like I probably for most of my twenties, you know? And so I just think like, if there's any tattoo I would get, it would probably be that. But again, I'm afraid of needles, (laughs) but that's probably what I would say. So that's a fun fact in case anyone's ever wondering, Jen does not have tattoos, but if she did, that's what her (laughs) tattoo would be. Probably something cute too, like on my finger, it'd be like, I don't know, like a heart or the word love or something, or like a, like one of my favorite Bible verses is Ecclesiastes three, I think from verse one to eight, which talks about how there's a time and place for everything. Mm -hmm. Like, just like, like you don't have to know everything, but trust that there is a place for everything. And therefore just live, like just live your life is how I interpret that verse. And so I, I think I would put like a cute little cursive thing on my finger that would say that you know, just Ecclesiastes, just the Bible verse. But anyway, I don't have anything. I'm totally BSing you all. I'm probably never going to get those tattoos. That's just, the, <laughs> this is all theoretical. But Jenny Lynn, what about you? <laughs> I have two. And oh my God. <laughs> I, I also, I never, I mean, I was, tattoos were not my thing. When I met my husband, he had one on his foot that was like, I got this in my twenties. And it was always kind of a joke, like that's ridiculous. And then <laughs> And I was adamantly like, no, no more tattoos. Like, tattoos. 
<laughs> and slowly but surely his like inner sailor has come out and he has a few more now, not a ton, but a few more. And we went, one of our date days when we lived in New York City was going getting tattoos. And similarly, it was something like, I thought about it for a really long time. Like Mm -hmm. it was one of those, if I were ever going to get one, what would I do? Yeah. And I ended up getting one. And so both of mine are on my wrist. I don't really want them. They're for me. And Mm -hmm. so I got them both for me. At the time I got my first one, we were doing like a ton of black tie events and Navy outreach type stuff. And so Mm -hmm. I was very particular about like not wanting anything that would show in like a formal dress or so both of mine are on my wrist and they're both basically a reminder. One of them is it's an anchor and no, it's not for the Navy. Cause when people see it, they ask me, Oh, that's so sweet. Like you're married <laughs> to someone in the Navy. And I'm like, has nothing to do with him, but thanks. <laughs> wow. It's actually for Hebrews 619. We have a hope as an anchor for the soul, strong mm. and secure. And so that was the first one I got. And I it was it. really in a season of needing to have that reminder, like visible And so so it's on the wrist that I don't wear a watch on so that I can see it. Yeah. And then just recently, 2019, (laughs) Christmas of 2019, that was kind of like what we did as our Christmas gift. Matthew got a tattoo and I got a tattoo. And it's a, it's a lotus flower because they grow out of the muck of ponds. And so, but the leaves all have words. And so that says, be still breathe and begin again. And those are all words that like I've collected over various authors that I loved and I would continue to kind of repeat those words to myself. And so now it's on my wrist. Wow. I love that. I don't think I'll get any more. Although I said that (laughs) after my first one, didn't think I'd get a second one, but now I'm out of wrist. So probably not because I'm really, I'm not really comfortable with them other places. Like I don't. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think for me, like, you know, again, this is all theoretical because I'm afraid of needles, but I'll get my shots. Okay. Y'all like I've done that. I've gone back. (laughs) But you know, it takes a certain mental space to let see that needle just go in your skin. I don't even look, I'm just like talking to the, to the nurse and they're just, you know, injecting it. But anyway, so yeah, I think for me, I probably would just like with you put it in places where people wouldn't see it, like probably on my shoulder blade or something, unless it's like, you know, if I do want to make a point, like I have a nice dress where it shows my shoulder blade or whatever. But, you know, for the most part, I think that's another thing I had feared about tattoos. It's like, oh, well, how can I hide it? You know, and, and then if I do hide it, I have to like hide it on places where my skin is the most sensitive, you know, and it's like, uh, like I've seen people who have like tattoos on their feet and I'm just like, gosh, like that's like very thin skin, but Hey, kudos to y'all. Like, (laughs) like this is not me hating on tattoos. This is really just my admiration for people who actually go through with it because it's like, because you're hanging out, right. For like some time to to just have them sit there and like pretty much like just needle you, you know, for some time. And I just imagine it's, it's painful. I mean, do you get used to it after a while? Like as you're sitting there, like you're just... I mean, where both of mine aren't terribly sensitive. And mm-hmm. so to me, it mostly felt like rug burn. Like it just oh. was kind of that like constant, like you could tell something was happening, but not needly. It wasn't like having your okay. blood drawn. It was just more of like a, oh, there's something happening there. And mine are small. <laughs> I mean, I'm not getting a tattoo. This is as my back. Like, yeah, nope, yeah. can't do it. Oh, like no. matter, no. matter, you know, very, very small on my wrist. Yeah. So yeah. One of my friends who's a Navy vet, he has tattoos of his boys, like his two kids, like on his chest, like overall. And I'm just like, man, like, wow, that's amazing. Like you love your boys, you know, <laughs> you really love them, but very admirable. Just, 
again, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't tat up everywhere and stuff like that. But anyway, that's a fun question. I'm glad you asked that. Okay. I'll ask the next one. <laughs> let's see. Let's see what else is here. Um, Hmm. What do we got? Okay. Who's the better morning person? I'm going to say I'm a night owl. So I'm pretty bad. Like at when it comes to mornings, like, I'm just like, like Scott, for example, he'll just like naturally wake up at five. And I was like, I don't know how you do that. Like I have to set an alarm. I mean, the good thing for me is I, I do set healthy boundaries with my phone. I turn it off at night, but I have one of those like kind of vibrating alarms that you could put under your pillow. And so I have to like force myself to like, I use that to wake up, but even so I don't like my alarm. So I start most of my meetings, my, my work meeting starting at like 1130 AM and then on. And sometimes it'll go to like the evening, but like, I have to set my alarm at like 930 AM to prepare for the day. But even then like that's like early for me. It's like, I just, it's just a lot. So I don't know. What about you? I mean, you're up early, obviously, since we're dealing with different time zones. So I imagine, are you a morning person, Jenny Lynn? <laughs> uh, I don't know that I'm an any person at this point in my life. Like I used to say, like, I can be a morning person if I'm not a night person. Yeah. These days, I think with the added stress of, you know, pandemic life and just all that, I am a really early to bed person and also set an early alarm, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm out of bed at that <laughs> early alarm time. And yeah. I was never a coffee person till I had my first child. And now it is like the drink of choice. Yeah. So yeah. I can be a morning person, <laughs> but I want it to be, I, my issue really is, is that I want my morning my way. And with having other people that live in my home, it doesn't always go my way. So, right. you know, still jury's still out. Maybe when my body adjusts back to East coast time, I'll like be more morningy because yeah, you know, the sun comes up there. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> right. So what I'm hearing, Jenny Lynn, is that you are not a morning person. <laughs> it sounds like it's more of an effort. It's like you have to intentionally do it and you have to like, you know, like even for me, it's like I haven't I haven't had coffee today and I can feel it because it's like every every work day I start my day with coffee because if I don't, it's like it's hard for me to get through that morning. Like I think I tend to stutter more when I'm talking. I mean, I don't know, actually it depends because when I'm highly caffeinated, I definitely stutter <laughs> more when I talk because my mind moves faster than my mouth. <laughs> And I think part of my stuttering comes from just like, like every time I listen to podcasting, I listen to it at two times speed. So like, oh I think gosh. my, I, yeah, I know I'm crazy. Like, I think, I think my mindset has like adapted to that. Like, it's hard for me to just like, you know, like there's like people now that are like into clubhouse. I, I, I don't know if you've like heard of it, but it's like this, like yeah. all the podcasters are like, are you on clubhouse? You're on clubhouse. And, and I was like, I am, but I can't, I can't be on there. Cause everyone's like, talking at normal speed. It's like, I can't speed it up. Like, like I just have to sit here and wait for people to like, you know, I mean, it's different when we're actually live podcasting, right? Cause I'm engaged, right? I can participate. Right. But if I'm just like listening, it's like, can I speed it up? And right. yeah, the funny thing was like, I was like one of those late adapters and catching up with uh, Tiger King, like the documentary on Netflix. And even with that one, I was watching it at 1.5 speed. And then like Scott comes by and he's all like, wait, like you even speed up your audio on your leisure time. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I just want to get to it. Like, I just want to know what this documentary is about, you know? And anyway, that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> so I think you answered the impatient question too with that. Like you speed everything. <laughs> you know what? That's true. Yes, you are correct. You are correct. Yes, I, I am very impatient for some reason. I can't believe you watch Netflix on like 1.5. That's funny. 
Yeah, I did. You know, just when it became a feature, I got really excited. I was like, oh, because, you know, there's some shows like Friends that you can just watch all the time. And it's like, yeah. but for me, it's like, okay, I already know what it's about. Like maybe I can, you know, speed it up. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense now that I'm saying that out loud, but yeah, I do. <laughs> like, I will, like I will speed it up because I want to know. And I don't know, it's just, that's where I'm at in life right now. I think I'm just so excited. Like, I'm not excited. I mean, I am excited, but I think like, I think since the pandemic, I've been looking at the silver lining of everything. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like now is the time to really just educate yourself, like to study, to learn. Like I've been reading more like audio books. I've just been educating myself. And and (laughs) yeah, yeah. And like, like, I I think I read like three, four books already in the last like four weeks, like just thanks to audible.com, which is not a sponsor of the show, but there you go. And, you know, it's just, yeah, I guess that's just where I'm at. I'm just very fast paced, which is the weirdest thing to say, because when I was in college and like in my upbringing in school, it's like, I didn't want to learn. Like I didn't, I wasn't a really, I wasn't like the best Mm -hmm. student, you know, I think in college, as soon as I heard the phrase C's get degrees, I was like, yes, like (laughs) that will be me. Like, I was like, oh, I don't have to try too hard. Although I I did my best though. I did get into um, uh, an impacted program in college, just so you all know, I did have to take an extra test just to get into my major. So I did try at something when I was in college, I did try to be book smart. And so anyway, okay, cool. So I think, did we answer, what was the question? Oh, we didn't really have a question. We were kind of just question upon question. So let's see, what else do we have here? Yeah. Let's wrap up with, Oh, here's a good question that I think we can wrap up with Jenny Lynn. Cause obviously okay. we can go on forever and we can't because we have lives. So <laughs> what is something that you want our listeners to know about you that they don't know yet? That's a good question. I need to think about that too. So, <laughs> so for me, you know, I like to identify as a veteran spouse specifically because I met Scott after his service. So he transitioned out in 2008. I met him in 2015, 16. Yeah. Around that time. And we've been together ever since. And so it's interesting because I, it, it's actually like weird to say this, but when I started this podcast, I had this odd, like imposter syndrome, like speaking to mm-hmm. military spouses. Cause I was like, I was like, well, I met him after his service, but I'm a gold star daughter. So I know I watched my mom be a military spouse. Mm-hmm. And so it was really interesting to kind of like work through that mentally to get to a place where like, well, you know, I'm, I'm still as part of the military community as anyone else is, but it, mm-hmm. it is kind of interesting. Like I, I want to clarify that to people because sometimes when people talk to me and say like, you know, us spouses, when they, when people reference like that, like, oh, you know, us spouses, right? It's like the reason why I don't want to like identify as a military spouse is because I want to honor the active duty military spouses. That's really what I'm trying to say is like, you know, when I think military spouse, I think of the active duty military spouses like yourself that are in the thick of it right now. And for Mm -hmm. me as a veteran spouse, I can kind of look back and reflect on, you know, my husband's service as well as even when my family and I were in the service. And so if anyone's ever wondering about why I call myself a veteran spouse, it's for that reason. It's because I want to honor like the actual, like I'm not actual, but the current active duty military spouses specifically who really own that title. Right. And so anyway, that's something fun that I thought I'd share that I would like our listeners to know. So, oh man, you like really went deep. I'm over here. Like I used to work for Walt Disney world. Like that's a fun <laughs> yeah. fact. Yeah. You don't, yeah. You don't have to be as deep as me. I did that. Just, that was the first thing that came to mind, but it could be something fun, you know, like, like, oh yeah, we got annual passes to Disneyland, which I never did by the way, which you think I would. Uh, I SoCal, well, but Disney, like, Disneyland hasn't been open and going on a year. So we don't have an annual pass. No, I used to work for Walt Disney world in college. It was super fun. Yeah. But let's see, as far as like real information, that's not a random <laughs> fun fact like Walt Disney World 
Well, wait, wait, well, let's slow down for a little bit. So uh, like, what, how did you get that job? First of all, that's really cool. Like, I mean, anyone that works at Disney, you could forever put that in your resume. So like, just tell us a little bit about it for our listeners. That is the God's honest truth. You can always put it on your resume and people go, yeah. oh, Disney, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, no, they do a college internship program. And so spring oh. and summer semester of my junior year in college, I applied for their internship program and got in and lived in Florida from January through August of, gosh, I don't even remember what year, 2003. Yeah. And I worked as a merchantainment hostess, which is Disney speak for retail. I sold things. I rang people (laughs) up for their, (laughs) their, you know, their swag purchases, but it it is still like one of the, and I've lived many years since then. And it is still one of like the best things I've ever done. I mean, it's just from the things they teach you about customer service and the why you do things to just like the community. I mean, I was down there with 10,000 other college students and we all had a together experience and doing all the different things. And I'm still really close with some of the people that were my random roommates. We were all, you know, stuck in a house down there. Yeah. And it was, (laughs) I mean, it just, I loved Disney before. I thought it was really fun, but having work there, I just have such a better appreciation of how hard people work to make sure that you have a really good time there. Yeah. And I just love it. Like I, I loved it then. I love it now. It's been a while since we've taken our kids. In fact, one of the promises of California was we would go to Disneyland and, and who pandemic. first saw it closing for a year. So yeah. we're going to have to make good on that at another time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so crazy. So crazy. But, yeah. but that's fun. And, and, you know, I've, I've heard so many good things about just the Disney culture overall. Like I had friends who worked at Disneyland and, you know, they would say stuff like, you know, Disneyland is one of the few places where you can really climb your way to the top. Like you could really like build a career in there and get promoted and stuff like that. And, and you get to live in this fun bubble of like happiness, you know, overall, like just being able to, yeah. But just that whole customer experience, I imagine is kind of a, a very gratifying experience to know. But yeah, I mean, that's the reason why Disneyland is, or Disney overall is, is successful is because I know Walt Disney early on, he wanted to create a theme park that was family friendly and had good customer service. And, you know, fun fact, they don't sell gum at the theme parks because they didn't want to scrape gum off the ground, you know, like in many theme parks. But anyway, that's a fun fact. I mean, I thought that was pretty cool, but anything else you want to know about you? (laughs) That was a a fun fact. I thought it was. (laughs) This was super fun. I'm really glad we did it. Thanks for doing that hashtag Valentine challenge with me. (laughs) Yeah, no, thank you for the invitation. I didn't have anything coming out for today for Friday. So I'm so glad that you came up with it. And here we are. And we got a chance to get to know each other more. And I hope our listeners will appreciate it. And we encourage all of you to maybe use some of the questions we asked and ask your spouse or ask, you know, your friends and, you know, anyone you love and and just get to know them more because we're all stuck at home. So why not? (laughs) You know, why not take the time? (laughs) So All right. I think that's it. Well, Jenny Lynn, thanks again for this conversation. And at the time that this is released, it'll be Friday. So to our listeners, we hope that you all have a good weekend and we'll see you first thing Monday. Sounds good. Woohoo.